0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, we read this, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein, and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered up to them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. What I want to preach to you about this morning, the Lord being my helper, is knowing better and doing better. Knowing better and doing better. And the ultimate conclusion that we're going to find this morning that the Bible teaches us is that if we know better, we ought to do better. Now, I'm convinced from reading the scriptures and also from my life experience that God often deals with his children according to the knowledge they possess. In other words, those who don't know as much about the scriptures and about the right way of living, uh, the Lord tends to not wink at sin. It's not that the sin is any less grave or any less sinful, but the Lord tends to Uh, providentially provide for them and the consequences that are experienced here aren't quite as bad as say someone who's been schooled and knows better (laughs) in in luke chapter 12 and verse 47 the story there is about servants uh it's a parable there about the servants and their lord that uh, that uh jesus spoke we read this it says that servant which knew his lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more." Now, you notice something here that the beating occurred regardless. <laughs> they were both beaten. The difference was that the consequences for one were worse than the consequences for the other. Now, <clears throat> before we go any further, let me make it as plain as I can make it that this is not talking about eternal salvation or eternal condemnation. You know, Brother Furman Burkhalter, Brother Ball, You know, we, many of you know him. He made a statement to me one time, and we, we were talking about the, the fact that in the Scriptures we find, it to, we find different kinds of salvation. There is eternal salvation that is solely and wholly of God, but then there are some timely deliverances. There's timely salvation that we can deliver ourselves from. For example... Peter, when he was walking on the water and he uh, he was going to Jesus, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But then when he began to look around him and he began to sink in the waves, he cried out, Lord, save me. <laughs> well, say, you know, I've always we've always said the uh, said that when you hear someone ask you, have, have you been saved? The question is, save from what? <laughs> save from what? Uh, Are you talking about being saved from the eternal consequences of our sins? God did that for us. Jesus did it on the cross. Are you talking about saving ourselves from uh, the consequences of drunk driving by not drinking and driving? Then that's something that's on us, you see. Peter wasn't asking to be taken to heaven. He could have just sunk in the waves and gone to heaven. (laughs) He was saying, Lord, save me here and now. And that's, that's what we're talking about. That's the context here. The context here. If you go back and read the whole chapter 2 here, and and in fact most of 2 Peter, it's talking about false teachers who are leading children of God astray. It's not talking about uh, falling away from grace because, beloved, praise God, you cannot fall away. You cannot fall out of grace. You can fall away from it in the sense of quit believing it. You can begin to rely upon your own self and your own actions and see if you can work your way to heaven. We read about some Jews over there in the 10th chapter of Romans that were trying to do that. They had a zeal of God. They were trying to work their way to heaven. They were trying to be as good as they could. But but Paul said Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those that believe. He said, in other words, quit working your way to heaven because you can't get there. (laughs) But begin trust and rest in what the, 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 the Lord has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Just to make it clear, in case you're wondering, John chapter 10 and verse 27 says this This is Jesus speaking. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Let me just stop there and say that the life wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it, would it? (laughs) It's eternal life, it never ends. That's the nature of being eternal, okay? So he says, they shall, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Praise God for that fundamental truth of our eternal salvation. My Father, this is why, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So let's start this morning the understanding that these scriptures here are not talking about someone who was a child of God who has somehow fallen away to the point where they're no longer a child of God and are now going to hell. Praise God, he's talking about uh, something different. But he is talking about something very serious for a child of God. He says here that there's a, a category of people, that have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You can't learn about him. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, that's 1 Corinthians 2.14, that's where you are in nature, you can't be, you don't have any knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't understand these things, you don't believe these things, if you haven't been born again, so these are children of God, who are uh, falling away, and it says they have escaped the pollutions through, of the world, through knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they have become entangled again in the things of the world, and notice this, you don't just become entangled you're overcome you're overcome you know that's what that's what peter's talking about back in the first epistle when he tells us about the devil being like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour the devil can't get the children of god for eternity but he can get them here oh he can get us here so so terribly and in such a destructive way. In verse 19 there, if you go back just a, a step in 2 Peter 2, he says, speaking of, speaking of these false teachers, he says, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. Here's the specifics of what they've been saved from. They've been saved from Corruption. And that's what they fall back to. That word is the Greek word thora, which means decay or ruin. And it comes from a verb which signifies to bring into a worse state or to destroy by means of corrupting. In other words, Uh, These children of God here who were believing and trusting and resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ in one manner or another have been taken away from that either by doctrine or by lifestyle or by practice and now they are in a worse state than they were before. So let's talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Remember we said the theme of the message this morning is if we know better, We ought to do better. So let's talk about knowing better. Knowing better. Notice that verse 20 says this occurs, this falling away occurs after they have escaped the pollutions of the world. I'm satisfied that that, that the King James Bible has got it right. I'm not trying to improve on it. I'm not trying to change it. But I will tell you that it is enlightening sometimes to go back and do a word study on the underlying Greek or Hebrew word. And here, the Greek word is miasma, miasma. Now, that's a word we use today. And literally, it means that which defiles. And it was used in the verb form to talk about staining or dyeing something with another color. Now, now I love that, that implication there. I love that thought. Because what it tells us is, is that the world will stain you. The pollutions of the world will stain us as children of God. Now notice it didn't say, I keep harping on this, it didn't say they have escaped from eternal hell. They're clearly, Peter is clearly not contemplating eternal salvation here. In fact, if you go back all the way to the first chapter of 2 Peter and the very first verse, you'll find that he is writing to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. He's writing to children of God. I'm convinced that many of the problems in the religious world today come from the fact that people are reading somebody else's mail. <laughs> they're, reading, they're reading the Word of God and the letters of Paul and the letters of Peter that are written to children of God, and they try to make them be written to dead alien sinners. Beloved, they're written to us. They're written to children of God who have been born of the Spirit because there's some things we need to know in order to serve Him in the right way. We need to know what's going on here. So here we see these that have obtained like precious faith, some of them, have, they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but now they've become entangled again in those same pollutions. Now notice how they escaped through knowledge, through knowledge. I know you've heard me say it, and probably Brother Buddy too, and I know Brother Tim has said it many times. Our battle in the church of the living God is for the minds of God's people. God won the battle of the heart when he born us again, when he gave us a new birth. That's the, you know, I can't, I can't give you a new heart. You can't work it up within yourself to get you a new heart. We, we preached about that recently, about what the new birth how that it's like the the womb it's like being born it's like the water it's 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 by the spirit it's like the wind it's it blows where it wishes and it and it and it you can't tell where it's coming from you can see the results we also as i've said many times we don't believe in that old hollow log theory of the new birth that that went around for some years that that the new birth was like a rabbit running through a hollow log it just ran through it and didn't leave anything behind But I'll tell you, beloved, the new birth leaves something behind. It, if nothing else, it leaves a conflicted uh, child of God who may, if they're still trying to live in the world, then they're going to be in conflict the rest of their days. <laughs> but it is a, it makes a difference. I believe in the, I believe in the uh, conviction of sin, being convicted of sin. But it doesn't happen until you've been born again. You see. But anyway, here these that have escaped the pollutions of the world, escaped it through knowledge, and not just any knowledge either. Verse 20, the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, that's kind of a, a big topic. I, I, I promise you I'm not going to try to just start preaching on it now because we'd be here all day. We'd be preaching all afternoon and into the night and into next week and Probably never would quit preaching because there's so much contained here. But let's just, let's just understand that there's some basic truths that we need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Back over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul begins to write here, and that's that great resurrection chapter. Chapter 15 is known more than anything else for the encouraging conclusion that the resurrection is coming. But he starts off this way in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Now stopping right there, just remember what gospel means. It means good news. The Greek word meant good news. The Hebrew version of it meant good news. And praise God, the English version, which is all we really need, means good news. The gospel, you know, What we preach here is good news. Now, I realize there's some bad news caught up in it. The bad news is, is that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. And I have heard men who preach harp only on that. I've heard men who preach talk about how sorry and low down we are and praise God we are. We need to know that. We are worms and we are nothing and less than nothing. And you and I need to understand that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and there's nothing in us, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. We're all an unclean thing. I could go on and on and on, but you get the point. But the good news is is that the Lord Jesus Christ was a perfect man. He did all things well. He lived a perfect life. He came down here and he became a man. He, he didn't just fill the body of a man. He was fully man, even at the same time being fully God. But he came down here and he did what you and I couldn't do, which was keep the law to a jot and to a tittle. The jot there, a reference to the Hebrew letter Yod. The little Hebrew letter Yod is the smallest little tick mark of a letter it's the smallest letter in the alphabet he kept it to a jot or a yod and to a tittle a tittle was a little uh pronunciation type punctuation mark there was just a wispy little mark there that was used to to sort of designate what um, uh how they were to read these scrolls back in ancient hebrew you know what he kept all of that have you kept all of that have you been able to keep? let me ask you this have you just kept all the laws of the state of alabama Now, don't raise your hand and confess, I'm not a cop and you're not a defendant. I've been there before, but not now. (laughs) Have you kept it? Did Did you drive 56 miles an hour in a 55 zone on the way to church? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to write you a ticket, okay? But my point is this, we can't keep it. And if we can't keep it all, we're never going to be credited with keeping any of it. James tells us that if you, if you offend in one regard, you know what you are? You're a lawbreaker. Beloved, we're lawbreakers. But the Lord Jesus Christ kept it for us. That's the beauty of grace. That's the good news. That's the knowledge that we have here. And because of what he did, there's some things we ought to do. Not in order to avail ourselves of the righteousness that is in Christ. That righteousness has to be imputed to us. It has to be given to us. We have to be deemed righteous. You know, we're never going to be righteous until we get to heaven. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ living a righteous life and dying a sinner's death, isn't that something that <laughs> just blows my mind? The Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And yet, when he hung on the cross, he didn't just take sin on him, although he did, in a sense but he actually became sin for us. Just just think about, in general, the things. I'm sure you're like me. I think about my life. I I think about the bad things I've done. You know, sometimes the devil brings them back to my mind and afflicts me with them to the point of getting depressed about it. Just think about the, the sins you can think of in your life that you've done. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was you. He was that. He, was, he had become that sin on your behalf. You know, as I said, because of what Jesus did, there's some things we ought to be doing. We ought not to be sinning like we have. We ought to remember that every sin we commit is another sin that Jesus had to pay for. Now, he's paid for it. But, you know, there ought to be a difference. Our knowledge, when we know these things, it ought to make a difference in our lives. Someone, someone I heard this, you've heard the story, I've told it before, where that uh, there are people that accuse us sometimes and say, well, if I believed the way you did, I'd live any way I wanted to. <laughs> I'd go out and sin all I wanted. Elder Sonny Piles, who I've quoted many times from this pulpit, as you, and I've shared this with you too, but I'll share it again. He said, a woman came to him one time and said, Brother Sonny, um, I just tell you, if I believe the way you did, I'd sin all I wanted to. He said, "Lady, I got you beat." He said, "I believe the way I do, and I sin more than I want to." <laughs> and that's the attitude we ought to have. Is because of what Jesus has done, we ought to want to do better. You see, we have escaped. We have escaped the knowledge. Uh, we have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Staying here for just a minute in 1 Corinthians 15, and then we'll go back to 2 Peter. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I don't have time to preach on this this morning, but understand, again, here's a place where we need to ask the question, saved from what? <laughs> it's like those, uh, those Jews over in the 10th chapter of Romans. Who've been born again, but we're living in ignorance. So, but anyway, verse three for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and he goes on to talk about all the ones that saw him. But here's what he's saying: You now, Peter is saying, you now know about what Jesus did for you. You're not ignorant in the world. You know, there's a lot of sheep of God. There's a lot of children of God who've been born again, who are struggling out in the world, who don't know the things that you know, child of God. If you've been raised in the church, if you've been raised in the truth of God's grace, there's a lot of people that don't know what you know now. And as we've already seen, to whom much is given, much is required. We'll come back to that in a moment. Going back to 2 Peter 2. Notice he says, They have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 21, we read about something else that they know. It says, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Now, I want to flip that and point out that they knew the way of righteousness. So they have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and they know how they ought to live based upon that knowledge. You see, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ includes the knowledge of how that we ought to live because we are one of his children. Back, you know, John fourteen six, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I want to say to you, we often hear people talk about Practical Christianity and doctrinal Christianity, there's really no such thing. There's just Christianity, okay? It's both doctrinal and practical, and all doctrine is practical, and all, practical, uh, all practice is based upon doctrine. See, it's all mixed in together. So the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, includes the way of righteousness if you have learned that way then you ought to walk the way in other words if you know him you ought to follow him in john 14 and verse 15 jesus said if you love me keep my commandments you know my daddy was not one especially early in my life to say i love you that much he got to where later he did but he said, you know, I just I wasn't raised to talk about it. I was raised to show it. He said, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. You don't have to tell me you love me. You just have to do what I say. And, you know, that's, that's biblical. That's the scripture here. The Lord Jesus Christ said, if, you, if a man love me, he will keep my words. If you, now, that doesn't mean that every time you sin, you quit being a child of God. But it does mean that you quit being a faithful child of God every time you sin. You see, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Which brings us to the second part here, which I guess is maybe, (laughs) I won't say the most important part, but extremely important, and that's doing better. Remember, we said knowing better means you ought to be doing better. If you know better, you ought to do better. Back over in Hebrews, which I do believe was written by Paul, uh, but... Be that as it may, I'm not going to fuss with any scholars about that, but I do see a lot of things in here that make me think Paul wrote it. But I believe Paul was writing here in chapter 5 and verse 12. Notice what he says. Now, this is, this is a bad state to be in as a child of God. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have, again, or you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, he's not bragging on these children of God here. He's not bragging on these strangers scattered abroad that he's, that he's writing to that are children of God. He's saying, listen to me. You know better. I shouldn't have to come back and teach you again the things that are the basic principles of, 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 of Christianity. Primarily how you ought to live. He said, in the time you ought to be teaching others, I've got to come back and teach you again. Beloved, that's, a bad, that's not the place the child of God ought to be. Now, that, that, don't get me wrong. There are different levels of learning in the kingdom of God, okay? There are those that are babes in Christ that need to, need to be preached about the sincere milk of the word. And by the way, the doctrines of grace are the milk of the word, I've heard, I've heard preachers that believe the doctrines of grace say, well, those things are, they're too high for the normal congregation member to understand. And so uh, we just wait and teach those later. We just kind of talk to them in general terms about Jesus. And now let me tell you, beloved, the milk of the word is the fact that Jesus Christ saved his people from their sins. What more do you need? What, what do you need first? You need us to talk about end times? You need us to talk about uh, supralapsarianism and whatever that other term is? I don't even know what it means, but I've heard it. You, I mean, you, you want to talk about that? No, you need to, a child of God who is, what, what does a baby need when he's born? Madison's, my niece's baby, you know, was born not, about a month ago. We went to see the baby about a week later. Now, how foolish would you think I was if I took my calculus textbook from, from college And sat down and said, okay, little Lincoln, let me just tell you about limits and integrals and stuff like that. I mean, what does that baby need right now? The baby doesn't need to learn calculus. The baby needs nourishment. The baby needs taking care (laughs) of. All those theological uh, uh, complicated things. Let me tell you, most of them aren't true anyway. You know what Paul said, and I believe it was in Colossians. He said, don't be removed from the simplicity. That is in Christ. We need simple teaching. We need simple worship. You know why we do things the way we do here? Because we don't want to complicate it. They didn't complicate it in the first century. They didn't have all kinds of events and I, you know I'm not criticizing the denomination. They do that. That's not my place to criticize. I'm just telling you that here, that in the kingdom of God, it ought to be simple. It ought to be simple, and the preacher ought to preach simply. You ought to be able to understand what I'm preaching to you. And by the way, one of the reasons we all meet together, there ought to be something for the old ones to, to get from the sermon, but I also ought to be putting it down there where those little sheep can feed. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job, Brother Mackey. You see, the milk of the Word is that Jesus Christ saved his people from their sins. You know what a baby needs when he's born? He needs to know he's got a mom and daddy that love him. He needs to know that they're there for him. Praise God. I'm telling you, child of God, if you've just been born again, if you've just been born of the Spirit of God, you've got a daddy that loves you. He loves you better than any mama or daddy on this earth can ever love you. In fact, he says in one place, the psalmist says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Do you feel forsaken of your father and your mother? If you have a good father and mother, praise God. But if you don't, you've got a better father than any mother and father of this world. What more do you need? It's simple, isn't it? He tells us that when we know these truths, we ought to not be the ones that have to be taught them again. And you know, the truths of salvation bring with it the fact that we ought to live in a different way because we have been saved. In the book of Ephesians, you know the first chapter is one of the greatest, strongest statements of the doctrines of grace that you'll ever find. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. All oh, that's one sentence. <laughs> that's why I didn't stop. I could see Paul writing that getting so excited. Oh, man, I can't wait to get this out. Look at what, the and he he's so excited he didn't even stop to put a comma or a period in there. But then over in chapter 2, he begins by telling us what's happened to us. He said, you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And he goes on to tell us where we were. We were in time past walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle, in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See, that's where you were. And by the way, when you were there, there's a lot of ways God took care of you. There's a lot of ways God providentially preserved you. If you lived through that, then you can thank God for it. Okay? But then notice something happened, but God, not but the preacher, not but the church, not but a prayer, not but a baptism, not but anything but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. If you ever see anything in the doctrines of grace other than the love of God, you miss the point. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved. And he goes on to, talk, to uh, talk about how we were raised up and how that we're saved by grace and not of works. And then verse 10, notice what he says. For we are his workmanship. If you sit here this morning as a child of God, having been born of the Spirit, you are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus to go live like we want to. Right? To go back and just slide back into the pollutions of the world and... and don't worry about it. Go along and get along because we're going to be in heaven one day. Is that what he says? <laughs> you know better. <laughs> Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, one reason I'm not a believer in the absolute predestination of all things is because he didn't say shall here. If he'd said they shall walk in them, God makes himself responsible for that, and he's going to make us walk in it. You know, you know the, the, a lot of people want to say the devil made me do it. Some people, without really realizing it, say God made me do it. <laughs> God didn't make you sin. The devil didn't make you sin, by the way. He may have tempted you to sin, but you sin out of your own heart, that old Adam man. But notice what he says. God has before ordained that we should walk in in good works. In other words, if you know better, you ought to do better. If you know better, you ought to do better. You know, once you know better, God requires you to do better. I, I want to I take just a few minutes as we bring this to a close and, and and look at a couple of examples. One being the Apostle Paul. One being the Apostle Paul, okay? Saul of Tarsus was present at the stoning of Stephen, and we're told that they laid their cloaks down at his feet, this young man named Saul. And then, if you want to, you can turn back over to Acts in the seventh chapter, eighth chapter rather, and you see here something else about Paul, who was then called Saul of Tarsus. In verse 1 of chapter 8, we read Saul was consenting unto his death. And it talks about the persecution and how Stephen was buried. And then in verse 3, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And they were all scattered abroad there. Paul's a bad dude, isn't he? Well, I guess when he finally started seeking the Lord, the Lord found him? Is that? No. (laughs) Chapter 9, look at verse 1. Saul... Yet, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired, letters, uh, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, if he found any Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. One of the reasons I don't believe that we can tell or should tell dead alien sinners to seek the Lord is because they can't seek the Lord. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me drawing. Paul here was not seeking the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was seeking Christians to persecute and even murder. But you know what happened. You know what happened. The Lord sought and found him. See, that's what happens to a child of God. When he ever experiences a new birth, the Lord finds him. You see. And the Lord found Saul. He knew exactly where he was, and he struck Saul blind, and he opened Saul's heart. He borned him again there on the road to Damascus, I believe. And then Saul became Paul, and then there were some things he did that were different. Now, I want you to turn with me with that in mind of how the Lord had dealt with him before he was born again. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I want you to see something here that's, I believe, key to our understanding of how God deals with us after we have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul himself says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Wait a minute, that's the Paul, remember, that was not faithful at one time. And he says, I acknowledge that. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but now notice this, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now before you get to thinking that this means that God saved him eternally because he was doing some things that he shouldn't, think about how foolish that sounds. Is this saying that, well, God gave him the mercy of eternal salvation because he was Killing people in the church. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? That's not what he's talking about. The mercy he's talking about here is timely mercy, providential mercy. God gave him providential mercy in his life. You know, what what should have happened to Saul of Tarsus? I mean, he ought to have been struck by a lightning bolt. He he stood there and held the coats of those who stoned the first faithful martyr of the Christian church, Stephen. He ought to have died. He ought to have been put to death. In fact, there were many in that day, once he did convert, that were still afraid of him because of what he'd done in the past. And probably some that held it against him, what he'd done in the past. But he obtained mercy. God didn't kill him. God didn't destroy him because he did it ignorantly and unbelief. what's the inference that we should draw from that? Paul, you did that ignorantly in unbelief. But if you did it now, you think God would have that same kind of mercy on you? (laughs) I think not. (laughs) Because Paul now knows better. Back then, he didn't know any better. Now listen, it was still a sin and Jesus Christ still had to die for it. It doesn't make that sin any less. But the providential mercy of God when he was in unbelief, is different than the providential mercy of God now. There are things that he could get away with then that he can't get away with now. And that's what he's talking about back over in Second Peter when he says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than that after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, that means in all kinds of ways, I believe. It means doctrinally, if you know the truth and you have seen the truth of God's grace, you ought not go back to some other place where they don't preach the truth. It also means if you know what Jesus has done for you and you know how you ought to live your life, you shouldn't slide back into the old lifestyle. Now look, I realize we all are sinners, and we're all afflicted by habitual sins. We're all afflicted by our past in some ways, and there are way, we're never going to be sinlessly perfect, but we ought not be habitual sinners in the sight of God, and we ought not neglect those things that God has given to us that we ought to be doing. If we know better, God requires us to do better. See, that was the case with David, the, the king. When he sinned with Bathsheba. You remember what Samuel told David. David is a man after God's own heart. He's in heaven today. But yet there were grave consequences to his actions. Samuel told him over in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 14. He said because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. There's going to be some consequences in your life. The baby died. The sword never left his house. He might could have got away with that in years past, but he knew better. So let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. The bottom line, child of God, is this. Once we have tasted the blessings of the kingdom of God, we shouldn't become entangled again in the pollutions of the world. The word entangled there means to weave in. To weave in. I know we live in the world. We work in the world. We play in the world. We go to ball games, or we hunt, or we do all kinds of recreation. That's okay. God doesn't expect us to go out of the world, but we ought not look like the world, and and the world ought not to be woven in. You know, I can't I can't separate the weaving in this fabric here. I'm maybe you know some master weaver might could, but I can't do it. And the world can't tell the diff. If the world can't tell the difference in you and I. And the world out there, there's something wrong, you see. Don't be entangled again. Don't be woven back in to the world. We're told that we're to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't be entangled in false doctrine. That's Galatians 5 and verse 1. Don't go back out there and, and say, well, you know, I know you believe this way, I believe that way, it doesn't really matter. No, it does matter. It doesn't matter in an eternal sense, but it matters about your, uh, your worship of Him here. Don't be entangled in false doctrine and don't be entangled in wicked living. 1 Timothy 2.4. Paul is writing to Timothy, the young preacher. He says, "...no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." And he's not just talking to preachers. You, child of God, are a soldier. You are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, "...therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away." Behold, all things have become new. Is that your case? I trust that it is. I trust that that's why you're here, because you have been born again. There is a new creature. You are a new creature, a new creation. He says, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, Christ has reconciled uh, his, the world of his people to himself, and now it's our job to preach that word of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the world, the word of reconciliation. And now listen to this. Now then we, not Paul, not Timothy, not Brother Buddy, not Brother Chris, we, all, all of us, everybody who is a child of God, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, now, two things about that verse. You just said, we just said, Paul just said, that Christ had reconciled us. And now he says, you be reconciled. Is he saying there's some more work for you to do to become eternally reconciled? No. Christ did the eternal work. He said, now you just be satisfied God was satisfied with what Christ did you be satisfied with what Christ did you be reconciled to that in other words it's not going to take you out of the covenant of grace or put you in it but you need to rest in it you see what Christ did and notice this you're an ambassador that word is the Greek word presbuo which comes from the root word presbuteros which literally means an elder or to be a senior but by implication it means to act as a representative that's what an ambassador is. An ambassador is not the president, but he represents the president in a foreign country. Beloved, you're not Christ, but you represent Christ in this foreign land that C.S. Lewis called the Shadowlands, this low ground of sin and sorrow. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He has a terrible description here in Second Peter 2. For those of us, and we all do it from time to time. Let me just say this: Let me, let me. I should have said this to start with. You're looking at a man who, from time to time in his life, has slid back and become entangled in the things of this world and polluted by the by the wickedness of this world. But it ought not be that way. We all have that problem. We all have that temptation. And he describes us as a dog turning to his vomit and a sow wallowing in the mire. Well, I don't know about you, but that's pretty gross. (laughs) And I don't want to be a vomiting dog or a wallowing sow. And the bottom line is this, beloved. What he's saying to us is, if we know better, we ought to do better. And when we know better, God doesn't let us get away with not doing better like he did when we didn't know better. We need to remember that because remember, as John Morgan preached to us a few weeks ago, our God is a consuming fire. He's able to deal with us and chasten us in ways that are better than the ways that we chastened our own children. I hope this has been helpful to you this morning. Just remember, if we know better, we ought to do better. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.